Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Morning, wasn't that fun? <laughs> Watching that, I, I thought that was hilarious. Um, this month, I think I'm going to take the hat off now. <laughs> Y'all all right with that? There we go. A little, little effect. Well, this month is the 20th anniversary, many of you may not realize this, of the, of the release of Forrest Gump. It came out on July 6th, 1994. Uh, it was a huge commercial success. In fact, it was the top grossing movie in, in uh, North America in that year and also won several Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Visual Effects, and, and, and even more. Um, many of you have probably seen the movie or familiar with it, but I'm not going to assume everyone has. Uh, Forrest Gump follows the life of a, of a man named Forrest Gump from his childhood years in the 1950s all the way through to the 80s. Uh, and, and if you've seen the movie, you know it is this amazing picture of, a, of American life through the years, it, through the music. I mean, that soundtrack is incredible. I mean, it's just some of the great music of our of the last several of those generations of those decades just great music and what was very cool is that they they engaged Forrest in events of history as they were happening and in fact in some cases they inserted him into archival footage he wasn't really there uh, they inserted him in it and and perhaps it was the first time it was ever done in, in, in modern motion pictures. And so it really made a very interesting story of, of seeing America growing through those, those decades. Now, if you know the story, you know that Forrest has below average intelligence and other problems. And all the kids, except for a young girl named Jenny, make fun of him. But the two of them grow up together as best friends. He says, as like peas and carrots. I mean, that was one of the ways he described them. And so the movie tells of Forrest's adventures playing football at the University of Alabama. Uh, <laughs> sorry, can't get too excited. But um, I, I can't, but maybe you can. Uh, enlisting in the Army, uh, meeting a friend named Bubba, and serving in Vietnam. He's wounded in Nam as he is trying to save the lives of members of his platoon caught in, in an attack including saving Lieutenant Dan, who though because of, of the attack loses his legs uh, above the knees and, um, and unfortunately he cannot save Bubba. Uh, in recovery, he discovers he has an aptitude for ping pong. Um, by the way, I was amazed at how good he was. I found out only this year that they had him just wailing like this and then they digitally painted in the ping pong ball. Isn't that a bummer? I was impressed. I thought, man, look at this. Back in 1994, I was thinking, it is incredible. I didn't know Tom Hanks could be so good. Blew my, blew my bubble. Uh, but that aptitude to ping pong gains him money, which enables him to buy a shrimp boat to fulfill a promise he made Bubba. And ultimately, he becomes rich through Bubba Gump, Shrimp Company, and some other investments. 
Now, if you know the movie, you know that at various points throughout, Jenny, his childhood friend, returns back into his life. And, and one time after she slips away again, Forrest just simply decides to go running. And he runs for three years, nonstop, crisscrossing the nation several times. Finally, when he stops, um, Jenny has seen him on television, has sent him a letter asking him to meet. And so the, the movie actually opens it, it, with kind of a retrospective of where he's been. But in the beginning, you know, he is sitting at, at the bus stop. Where's our, our bench over there? He's sitting at the bus stop waiting for the bus to take him to her place in town. Um, he discovers that he is a father, the father of Jenny's son, Forrest. And she proposes to Forrest, and he accepts. And they get married. Uh, she develops or has an unnamed illness, leads to an infection, and she dies, leaving Forrest to raise his own son. Now, one of the first things that Forrest says in the movie, you, you, you remember this, as he's sitting at that bus stop, waiting for the bus, it's one of the best-known lines in all of, of cinema. He says, my mama says life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Have you, have you ever had one of these and you start going through them? And some of them are really good. And there's some of them you wonder, why in the world did they put them in there? I mean, who likes some of those things? And, and what really gets me is if you're in a, in a group or like at your home or something like that, what happens is you start going through and, and picking, and you look at one that looks really good, and it's awful, and you look at one that you're not so sure about, you pick it up, and, and it turns out to be great, but then you pick up another, and on the bottom side, half of it's gone, because someone has tried it and didn't like it and put it back. I hate that, okay? Don't do that to me. <laughs> it's, it's no fun. Because, well, anyway. Um, interesting, the quote is ranked number 40 in the American Film Institute's list of the top 100 movie quotations in American cinema. And it reminds us simply enough that you never know what you're going to get in life. You never know what's coming next. And, and the reality is, just as some of it tastes good and some of it we really don't like until you try it, not everything in life that comes our way is something we like or we would pick. In fact, as the movie shows us, there are some chocolates that we don't like at all because there is a lot of adversity. There's a lot of suffering in real life. And if you look at all the main characters, Forrest, Jenny, Mrs. Gump, Lieutenant Dan, Bubba, there's tragedy in all of their lives. I mean, you wonder sometimes in watching the movie, if you've watched, how do we not come away being totally depressed? Because there's so much that happens. Jenny, Abused as a child shows us the devastation that that can bring into a person's life, as some of you know firsthand. And it leads her to make some very destructive choices and very possibly led to the circumstances that caused her to die. 
Mrs. Gump shows us that even a life that appears sweet and dedicated involves really tough choices and heartbreak. And she also dies. Lieutenant Bubba um, shows us one of the tragedies of war is his death. And, and that's why we celebrate our men and women in service and we love them and we stand behind them because when they go, they don't know if they're coming back. They stand in harm's way for us. And that's a reality of war. Lieutenant Dan shows the other part of that, another tragedy of war, a, a devastating injury that has affected many of our veterans, both then and certainly today. Forrest himself faces tragedies, not just in what happens to family and friends around him, but to him as he faces childhood taunting, hurtful experiences as he comes to recognize that he, he really is different from everyone else. You know, that, that's got to be a, a really tough place to be, to see yourself unlike those around you. And some of you know in different ways that experience perhaps. He got shot and he faced a number of heartbreaks. It's, it's no wonder that Job said, how frail is humanity? How short is life? How full of trouble? And yet Forrest, perhaps because of the strength of character instilled by his mother, maybe because of his lack of awareness, perhaps because of his faith, maybe even because it's, it's, it is a story in a movie about him, quite honestly, he seems to deal with an adversity in ways that a lot of us would find pretty challenging, maybe even unrealistic. I mean, I, I love the movie. I, I enjoy it very much. But when I look at real life, I got to tell you, I tend to see someone like Lieutenant Dan giving me and my take on life a more honest portrayal of how we deal with life. See, Lieutenant Dan felt like he had this, this destiny. If you remember, his ancestors served in the army and they all died <laughs> serving their country. And, and he believed that that was his destiny as well. But when his life is saved by Forrest and when he loses his legs to boot, he becomes very bitter. And we see Lieutenant Dan so angry at Forrest because he wanted to die. We see him angry because his destiny goes unfulfilled and we see him also really believing life's not worth continuing if I don't have my legs. In fact, one scene, one scene, they're out on the shrimp boat, the Jenny. You may remember it's the midst of a hurricane. They tell us Hurricane Carmen. And Lieutenant Dan is up there railing against God. I mean, he's, he's yelling at him. He's giving him an earful. And, and some people may be bothered by that. Now, that scene may really bother him, saying, well, man, he shouldn't say things like that. People shouldn't talk that way. But let me tell you, that was real. That's what people really do. That's what some of us have done at various times in our lives. And not just today, but in biblical times too. Job felt crushed by God. When God, unknown to Job, allowed Satan to essentially demolish his life. Job didn't know the truth and, and, and wrongly believed that God was 
behind it and caused it. And he, and he cries out in Job chapter 6, If my mercy could be weighed and my troubles be put on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. That is why I spoke impulsively, for the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poison infects my spirit. God's terrors are lined up against me. Don't I have a right to complain? That's not Lieutenant Dan. That's Job. Job saying that. Later, Job would wish for some kind of a, a heavenly court where he could, he could take his case, where, where he could lay it out and, 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 and prove how he had been mistreated by God. And David, King David, David, a man after God's own heart, chooses the same brutal honesty in Psalm 13. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with the anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or, or I will die. To me, that's real. That's where we are sometimes. And I've listened as someone's lost a loved one or gone through something tragic and, and they are angry with God. They are mad. And, I, and, and at first, in ministry, it bothered me. bothered me a lot. But as a pastor, I, I came to learn that that happens. And, and the good thing is God is big enough to take it. In fact, he created us. He understands. But sometimes you or I, we, we feel overwhelmed, as Job did as David did, as Lieutenant Dan did. And, and we, we say things out of anger or, or hurt or frustration or lack of control or lack of understanding and that that is all a normal part of the healing process called grief that God created within us. Those steps are denial, anger, bargaining. Depression, acceptance, and as followers of Jesus, we would add hope. They are a normal part of life. And, and, they, and they occur, they can occur with a loved one. It, it may play itself out over a year or two. If it's, I'm writing with my favorite pencil and it breaks, it can occur in less than a second. I can't believe I broke that pen. That makes me so mad. If I only I'd been more careful, I lost my pen, pencil, but I guess I'll be okay. And you know, there are other, there are other pencils that I can use. And those are those, those are those steps. That's that journey. And we can go through it very quickly in something that's relatively unimportant, or we can spend months or even years working through it one of the reasons we have a ministry here called Grief Share, because it's easy sometimes to get stuck somewhere in there. 
But anger is, is normal. The reality is if, if you and or I have lived any length of time, we've experienced adversity. Now, I, I, I'll admit to you, the first 30 or 35 years of my life were pretty smooth. Looking back on them now, you know, it, 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 I, 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 I honestly have to say I was pretty naive about the real challenges of life and the struggles that, that are in it. I think I grew up pretty sheltered compared to a lot of folks, including some of you and, and what some of you have been through, even as, as children or teens. Since that time, I've experienced the death of my father. I had a, a life and death struggle with bacterial meningitis. Um, I've dealt with my own depression, and I've dealt with unfulfilled uh, uh, dreams and goals. And as a pastor, yeah, I, I've seen stuff that I never thought I would see. I've been around people and helped people walk through things. I, I never imagined as a kid. Adversity and trouble and suffering are part of life. They're, they're, they're what's called the human condition. And, and the movie Forrest Gump does not back down from that. At the same time, the movie shows that those experiences don't have to define us or, or dictate how we live our lives. Jenny made a lot of bad choices, but ultimately she got her life together and, and when she died, she knew her son was going to be cared for by Forrest and she felt loved. She felt genuinely loved. Mrs. Gump showed herself to be someone who was okay with dying that it was just a natural part of life. If you remember, if you've seen the movie, Lieutenant Dan seems to finally discover God in the midst of the storm and ultimately turns his life around, changes his attitude, and we see him near the end of the movie. He's, he's standing there at Forrest's wedding, smiling on prosthetic legs with his fiance. And it's a picture that is so startlingly different from earlier in the movie. You know, the devil loves to tell us that when trouble comes our way, it is always because we deserve it, we did something wrong, we're condemned, we're no good, we're worthless. And, and, and sometimes it's true we have fault in what has happened. Sometimes we do make choices that lead to that. Jenny's life, I think, demonstrates that. Sometimes troubles and adversity are simply the result of our bad choices. And every single one of us makes them. Every single one of us. And yet other times, they're the result of someone else's bad choices. Someone abuses alcohol and is driving and hits the car of a loved one. You could think of a hundred other examples. And sometimes, though, quite honestly, they're just the result of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But no one actually did anything wrong. Now, I, I, I'm going to say this, and I want you to really hear what I'm about to say. Not everything happens for a reason. 
We, we love to throw that line out there. We love to do that to somehow make us feel better. But a part of living in a fallen, imperfect world where there are natural laws and chance still operates is that reality, as Jesus himself pointed out. In Luke chapter 13, the, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what did these 18 people do who were killed when the Tower of Siloam in Jerusalem fell on top of them? They believed that, that something like that had to happen as a, as a form of punishment, but it, it was caused. And it, it, there could be reasons behind it as simple as poor engineering, failure to maintain power and the structure. I mean, we can think of a lot of reasons, but were they the worst sinners and was God punishing them for this? Jesus emphatically says no. In an imperfect world, there is still some degree of chance because we have been given free will and because sin has infected all of creation, not simply our lives, and we all discover times when things just go wrong or adversity strikes and we suffer. Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. That's the reality. Most of us can attest to that firsthand. And yet the good news is that in the midst of our struggles, we are not alone, that God sees and, and God really cares. Uh, he, he, he is on our side. David realized that even as he had all these struggles going on and, and sometimes didn't know what to do with them, and yet he chose to have faith in their midst, he says in Psalm 31, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love for you have seen my troubles and you care about the anguish of my soul. Over the last couple of years, there's been a, a contemporary Christian song that has really struck home with me that, honestly, I, I find it challenging to do, but I find it very, very biblical. It's a song by a group called Casting Crowns called Praise You in the Storm. And I, I mean, I'll just will tell you that when I'm in the midst of adversity, when I'm in a storm, the last thing I feel like doing is praising God. seems simplistic, but I have to tell you that somehow God really does work through our praises, especially in the middle of hard times. Even as David was so honest to God about his struggles in those first verses of, of Psalm 13, which I read to you a few moments ago, verses 1, 2, and 3, David still chooses to trust and praise God in the midst of it all, because going to verse 5 of that same psalm, he says, but... But I trust in your unfailing love. Now, that, every one of us in here who, who sometimes feels like we can't be loved, we're unworthy of love, you got to hear that. Unfailing, unconditional. God loves us no matter what's going on in our lives. Paul wrote to the Romans, you know, whether you're going through life or death or, or all these different hurts, nothing can stop God from loving us. And so David affirms in his mind, even if he doesn't feel it, I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I will praise you in the storm. No matter what's going on in my life. I want to suggest for some of you, because some of you are in a storm right now, in a group this size, there are dozens of you, maybe a hundred of you or more, 
that are in a storm. God doesn't give us this word so we think, oh, that's nice. He gives it to us to be used, to implement in our lives because we need it. It's not magic. In fact, I, I, I can't fully explain to you, but, but praising God in the midst of our troubles and struggles somehow opens us to his working in our lives in ways that we may not fully fathom. And you may just be surprised by doing it. Even if you can't figure it all out, even if you can't rationally explain it all, to make the choice to praise him in the storm. The Bible reminds us there's at least one other area where adversity shows up in our lives, and that is the result of our faithfulness. In other words, followers of Jesus are persecuted from time to time. In America, it may not always be completely blatant, uh, and so we may not use that language. We may talk about peer pressure or or whatever, but it is persecution. If you don't feel comfortable talking about your faith in a setting, if you, if you're, you know that there's someone in your office that is strongly opposed to the Christian faith, who, who is bitter about something that happened in their lives, or, or who intellectually thinks you're an idiot for thinking there is a God or a God that cares, and it keeps you from doing certain things, saying certain things, then you're being persecuted for your faith. We saw that in the movie. Lieutenant Dan had this incredible disdain for Forrest's faith. He was very hard on him. But Forrest didn't cave in. And ultimately, Lieutenant came around, as we saw Jesus said, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. In other words, if you go along to get along, if you, if you buy into all the cultural values. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. I remember early in my ministry having an argument with, a, with, with a, a Christ follower that he was convinced that you didn't have to experience persecution to be a Christian. Several years later, he came back to me and he said, Randy, I was wrong. And, and I want to tell you, it's the reality. If you're not ever feeling persecution for your faith, is your faith real? Is it out there? Is it something that people experience? Jesus assures us that if we follow him, we will have troubles. We will be hated. But it doesn't mean we can't get through it. Peter writes, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Now, if you're reading that or you're hearing that, maybe for the first time, if you're, if you're really paying attention, you may want to circle that because, and put a question mark beside that because that sounds really strange. But Peter says, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. 
So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. In fact, the Bible tells us that God can use our trials, our adversities to grow us, to make us stronger, to make us more effective for Him and for His kingdom. And, and, and I know that's not something many of us want to hear. I know I wanted to rock along when I was naive and keep it that way. It, 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 you know, I, I, I wanted to j- just make it through life and not have problems and not deal with struggles. But life has something more to say about that than what I want. And when you look at some of the most significant works and some of the most significant ministries, you often discover that at their heart is someone who went through a struggle, who was hurting, and who could have given up, who could have caved, who could have backed off, but instead they used their hurt to help others. I think it's Rick Warren who says, God never wastes a hurt. And he's right. Some folks choose to trust God in the midst of their trials and use those trials and adversities to grow them and to fulfill their God-given purpose. In fact, for some of us in this room, we may not discover our God-given purpose until we are going through a trial, until we choose to be faithful in spite of what's going on to us, around us. I love the the title of a book Henry Nouwen wrote several years ago because to me it just says it so well. The Wounded Healer. The Wounded Healer. And and, and that's what we do in ministries like Grief Share and Celebrate Recovery. So we have wounded healers, people who have been through it, who have now recognized that God has blessed them And they want to turn around and help someone else. And you know what we discover is that when we turn around and we want to help somebody else through what we've been through, God does some kind of miraculous work and grows us even more in ways that we could not have experienced apart from making that decision. Earlier I quoted Jesus when he said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But that's not the whole quote. Jesus said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I mean, it's hard to imagine that adversity and trials can be helpful to us, but that is exactly what the Bible tells us. And quite honestly, I think that's what we see in the movie. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, no matter what you or I have been through, whether it's our own making, whether it happened to us, for reasons we can't understand, the old saying saying is still true. We can get better, we can get bitter, or we can get better. We can get bitter, we can, we can 
wallow in it, we can languish in it, we can allow it to overwhelm us, or we can choose by the grace of God through the help of the Spirit working in us to get through it and become better. And what's more, not simply to become better, but to help others become better. Because the cool thing is that God can use anything that happens to us for his purposes, for his glory, to advance his kingdom if we're willing to trust him. That's why Paul could write, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's not saying that God causes everything bad to happen, but he says no matter what happens to you in life, if you love God and you trust him, God will bring some good out of it. And it very likely will not be good you anticipated that you could see coming, that you could plan for. In fact, oftentimes, your life will turn 90 degrees from where it was going. But sometime later, you will look back and say, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. And some of you know what I mean. Some of you have said that. With Christ at the center of our lives, God can not only get us through anything, but he can help us to help others and in the process bring himself glory and praise. That's why I love uh, this passage from 2 Corinthians 4. It's a little longer than I typically would read, but I want you to just close your eyes. I don't want you to read it. I don't want you looking at it on your paper. I just want you to listen to this. Paul writes, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but, but we're not destroyed through suffering. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continued to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be this great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now <laughs> will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever.
amen to those great words. Folks, Paul tells us, don't focus on our problems, but on our answer, Jesus Christ. Praise him in the storm. It is not cliche. It is a choice and an act of faith. No matter, no matter what you pull out of this box of chocolates, trusting in Jesus Christ means you know that the best piece of chocolate is still waiting for you. And if you're going through stuff right now and you want somebody to pray with you in just a moment, our prayer team's gonna be right down here. In your bulletin is a card that on the one side says connect, but on the other side it says prayer requests. And we have a whole group of people who will pray that this week or that this week. If you fill it out and there are boxes at each of these three main doors and you can drop them in if you haven't already. Because you're, you're not created. You weren't meant to go through whatever you're going through by yourself. You don't have to give all the details. God knows. But you can ask for prayer. You can get engaged with things like Celebrate Recovery or Grief Share or our congregational care ministry area. Because you can be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You can praise him in the storm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us when we feel like we are drowning to know that your hand is always stretched out to us. And if we will grab hold of it, we won't drown. Now, it may, we may still be buffeted by the storm. We still may get wet. We may still hurt. We may still struggle. But Father, you promise you are with us, you love us, and you will see us through. And what's more, you can take whatever experience we've had, good or bad, and work some good from it if we trust you, if we love you. And that's our prayer today, God. As we go through this life, as we pick out pieces of chocolate, and when some of them taste really bad, help us to know that you love us and you'll see us through. We ask this, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Well, remember, as Forrest Gump's mama said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get, but by the grace of God, you'll get everything you need to get through it. God bless you. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.